angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Parshendi in the tower's cremy terrain. Oh yeah, Steve, from the excellent Rayfo YouTube channel, which you should definitely check out. It's on. This week, the surges of Roshar. Spoilers for Stormlight through Oathbringer. Mmm. Got him. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Worldhopper's Guide to the Cosmere. I'm your host, Arian, and this week, we take a look at the surges of Roshar and the act of surge binding. To quote Steve from the excellent Rayfo YouTube channel, as I mentioned, a white shin dude executes three lashings expertly while soldiers burn. Windrunners, Skybreakers, Dustbringers, Edge Dancers, Truth Watchers, Lightweavers, Else Callers, Will Shapers, Stone Wards, Bondsmiths. Beautiful chef's kiss. My turn to try something slightly different. So the ten surges are as follows. Adhesion, Gravitation, Division, Abrasion, Progression, Illumination, Transformation, Transportation, Cohesion, and Tension. And from that, we get Angsty, Glowing, Dark Eyes, Attacks, Parshendi, in the Tower's Cremy Terrain. Easy. So, I'm gonna go into it, uh, but for now, see if you can remember those two mnemonics. They line up uh, pretty much exactly, and it's useful. So, let's get into it. To begin with, the first one, A, Angsty, Adhesion. The Surge of Pressure and Vacuum. The Surge of Adhesion belongs to Windrunners and Bondsmiths, so it's one that we've seen a lot of in the books so far. Adhesion, as its name suggests, binds things together. For Windrunners, this results in what they call the full lashing, infusing something with stormlight, and then anything that touches that object will stick to it. Possibly something to do with air pressure and that sort of stuff to make it stick, we're not really sure, that's all speculation. So this is the ability Kaladin uses to stick rocks to the walls in Way of Kings, and famously held Lopen upside down for a while. Bondsmiths, meanwhile, use spiritual adhesion, forming a bond between two people and tapping spiritual connection, sort of. Dalinar uses this ability to pick up the Thalen language while visiting Thalen City, and there's a bunch of other implications for connection that we haven't yet explored, really. At the moment, you kind of need to be in that place for a while. It's not a, it's not a permanent uh, ability that Dalinar has. He will eventually lose the Thalen language until he learns it again, but pretty neat. The next surge, we got the angsty, glowing, G, gravitation, the surge of, predictably, gravity. So the surge of gravitation belongs to the Windrunners and the Skybreakers, and this is the one that lets you fly. So... The surge temporarily alters the size and direction of the gravitational force that you feel. Practitioners use what's called the basic lashing. Lash yourself in a direction, and the force of gravity now pulls you in that direction, instead of towards the ground. You can get pretty granular with this. A full lashing upward will pull you directly upward, at the same rate at which you'd fall downward toward the ground. Meanwhile, if you perform a half lashing upward, the force will equal the force of gravity pulling you downward, and keep you pretty much stationary. So I had a thing I was trying to understand here, and so this is going to require some groundwork to explain. Maybe it was just me not understanding how this worked, but I'm going to go into it. The gravitational force is a vector, meaning it is a quantity with both a magnitude and a direction. So the magnitude is just a number. It is it's just a number with no other value attached. The magnitude of the gravitational force on Earth is sometimes called, uh, is called lowercase g, just g, and it equals 9.8 meters per second squared. Gravity on Roshar is about mm, 0.7 g, so it's about 6.9 meters per second squared. 
For ease, I'm just going to call this value g because we don't have to worry about Earth. We don't care about Earth right now. So when we look at the half-flashing, at first it seems like it adds a gravitational force equal in magnitude but opposite in direction to regular gravity. You got the gravity pulling you downwards and you've got the, the half-flashing pulling you upwards, the magnitudes equal each other, the directions are opposite each other, so it cancels out to zero. But if that were the case, and the force of gravity still did pull you downwards, then why wouldn't it pull Kaladin downwards when he lashes himself to the right or left? It would seem that you've got a lashing pulling you to the right with the force of gravity, and you've got regular gravity pulling you downwards, so you kind of move in an arc, but that isn't what happens. As it turns out, a lashing works by changing the spiritual gravitation of your mass. So the lashing itself doesn't really change the magnitude of the gravitational force. It's still always g. Instead, changing the size of the lashing changes how much of your mass is affected. A full lashing applies the lashing to all of your mass. So, you've got all of your mass being pulled upwards when you lash yourself upwards, or all of your mass being pulled to the side when you lash yourself to the side. And the effect of regular gravity is temporarily not happening, at least as long as the stormlight lasts. A half-lashing applies the lashing to half of your body, so when you half-lash yourself upward, half of your mass is feeling normal gravitation, 1g pulling you down, the other half is feeling the effects of the lashing, so 1g pulling you up. It cancels out. The final type of lashing is the reverse lashing. Instead of ignoring the gravity of the ground to change the direction of where the target is being pulled, this makes the target imitate the gravitational force of the ground and pulls every other object in the area towards the target. Notably, this is easiest for objects in the air, and it requires skin contact to maintain. Enough about gravity, though, let's move on. The angsty, glowing, dark eyes. D. Division, the surge of destruction and decay. So the surge of division is shared by the Skybreakers and the Dustbringers, granting power over decay. We've seen Malata, the Dustbringer, burn a pattern in a wooden table with this power, but not much else. This surge grants the ability to destroy bonds between molecules. So, turning things to dust, splitting them in half, and burning them are all fair game. It won't let you split atoms, though, and we'll talk more about atoms with some of the later ones. Just to prep you, the atoms are not called atoms in this world, they are called axi. But let's move on. The angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks. Abrasion, the surge of friction. So the surge of abrasion is shared by the Dustbringers and the Edge Dancers, most famously Lift. Abrasion grants the user the ability to manipulate friction between two surfaces. Slicking grants the user the ability to make their body, or parts of their body, frictionless, so they can slide across surfaces at ridiculous speeds. Lift uses this a lot to escape grapples and slide around Thalen City. The ability can also increase friction between certain objects, letting you climb a smooth wall or make an object slippery to everybody but the user. Moving on. The angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Parshendi. P. Progression, the surge of growth and regrowth. So the surge of progression is shared by the Edge Dancers and the Truth Watchers. Progression rapidly accelerates the growing process in living things. It can make a seed turn into a full plant in mere minutes. Its most relevant use, however, is using progression for regrowth. This heals the target, returning them to their spiritual ideal. This can instantly heal wounds, even from shard blades, and it's what Lift uses to save Gox, and what Renarin uses in Thalen City to heal people. Notably, this form of healing is subject to the same restrictions as the other Cosmere forms of healing, such as normal radiant healing or ferrochemical gold. It can't heal very old wounds once they become a part of a person's cognitive concept of themselves. For example, Renarin was unable to heal Risen, 
since it's been months or years since she lost the ability to use her legs. Next up, the angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Parshendi in. That's I, illumination, the surge of light, sound, and various waveforms. So the surge of illumination is shared by the Truth Watchers and the Light Weavers, and it works by manipulating waveforms of light and sound. We don't have to worry about the actual physics of, of manipulating light and, and, and sculpting like a proper image of something. Basically, it's illusion magic based on what the user wants to make, using stormlight to fuel the image once it's created. Unlike soul forging on cell, this type of magic requires some kind of connection between the user and the image they're creating. For Shalon, that's her drawings, and it sort of explains how her illusions look good despite not having any training in, you know, how to make light and sound work. It just is a connection. The term light weaver seems to come all the way back from Yolen, which had its own form of light weaving, something that Hoyd is proficient in. It's believed that the Yolish form of light weaving is somehow flawed in the present day. Hoyd can make smoke figures, for example, but he needed Shallan's power to make an image of the girl who looked up, that, that very immersive story. Rosharan light weaving, it seems, is the closest thing to this form of magic, which is why it's now helpful that he's become a Rosharan Lightweaver, so he now has both. Talking about Truth Watchers for a second, it's possible that the Truth Watchers' resonance involves the combination of progression and illumination to grant them the ability to see, quote-unquote, whatever that means. We don't know if Renarin seeing into the future is a result of Gliss's corruption or whether that's a Truth Watcher thing, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. And by that I mean September, which is way too far away, but... Moving on! Angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Barshendi in the... That's T, Transformation, the Surge of Soulcasting. So the Surge of Transformation is shared by the Lightweavers and the Elsecallers, providing the ability to instantaneously transform objects into other objects. By temporarily seeing into the cognitive realm, the Soulcaster can interact with the cognitive aspect of an item in question, and attempt to convince it to change. Results can vary. Some objects, especially ones that are invested or people, will resist significant transformation, while other forms of transformation are easier. The principles are similar to Salish uh, soul forging. If you can convince the object that the transformation is something it wants, like turning a ship into water by convincing it that the transformation is the only way to serve its dying crew, then you have a better chance of making it work. It's also easier to soulcast things into one of the ten essences, which are ten basic materials of Roshar that somehow work. I probably should do an episode on those, we'll see. But this transformation happens instantaneously in the physical realm, and it can be mimicked by the use of soulcasting fabrials. Too much soulcasting, especially via fabrial, runs the risk of savantism, where the user themselves begins turning into the material they soulcast into. This is most evident with the soulcaster Kaza, who turns into smoke. Alrighty, angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Parshendi in the... Tower. Well, towers, but whatever. Transportation. The surge of motion and dramatic transition. The surge of transformation is shared by the else callers and the will shapers, allowing transportation into and out of the cognitive realm by creating tiny perpendicularities. It's harder to leave the cognitive realm than it is to enter it, requiring the surge binder to find a place where the realms are naturally closer together. As yet, we've only really seen transportation used to world hop into the cognitive realm, although the Oath Gates are fabrials that represent another aspect, just teleportation on the physical realm. I have a sneaking suspicion that there's more out there that an Elsecaller can do with this power, 
whether that's teleporting or something else related to faster motion, but we just don't know. Our only else caller currently is the person who we're only getting the flashbacks of in Book 10, so I assume Yasna is going to be a slow burn, and we haven't seen any Will Shapers yet except for Venli at the very end of Book 3. Angsty, glowing, dark eyes attacks Parshendi in the towers. Kremi! Cohesion, the surge of strong axial connection. So cohesion is shared by the Will Shapers and the Stone Wards, so don't hold your breath on getting much information here. Essentially, though, cohesion allows you to alter the shape of solid objects on a molecular level, which brings us back to the term axi. It seems as though axi are the Cosmere equivalent of atoms, essentially the smallest unit that Investiture acts upon. By altering the physical arrangement of axi, you can change the object's shape, hence theoretically being able to shape stone, arguably one of the cooler powers out there. Moving on, because we don't know a lot, uh, angsty glowing dark eyes attacks Parshendi in the tower's crummy terrain. Final T. <laughs> There's a lot of T's in this one, but tension, the surge of weak axial interconnection. Tension is shared by the stone wards and the bondsmiths, and it allows the user to alter the stiffness of objects. Instead of making massive changes to the interconnectedness of axi, tension merely acts on the existing bonds, altering the stiffness of the object. According to Brandon, Tension is the ability to take something flexible and make it rigid, which you think sounds simple, but there are so many cool things you could do with that. End quote. Personally, I'm imagining turning cloth hard as steel or making string as rigid as metal cord, which is deadly when you think about it, but we'll see more when, uh, when we get more of Tan. Hopefully when he swears the oaths of the Stone Ward, we'll see. But uh, yeah, bondsmiths use tension a little differently, combining it with adhesion and their natural proclivity for connection to repair broken objects. I'm not entirely certain how adhesion plus tension is better than cohesion at this job, but I'm sure that'll be explained as things go on. Bondsmiths are kind of just breaking rules in all departments, so we'll see. But anyway, that's this week's episode. Uh, whew. If you're trying to remember the Knight's Radiant, remember to use the old Rafo mnemonic, White Shin Dude executes three lashings expertly while soldiers burn. In remembering the surges, Angsty Glowing Dark Eyes attacks Parshendi in the tower's crummy terrain. I'm sure the next evolution of this system will be a way to remember both at once, but for now, we'll stick with these two. So, thanks for listening to this episode of the World Hopper's Guide. Uh, let me know if you have any comments, counter-arguments, or thoughts about things I got right or wrong on this episode of the podcast, or in general, uh, either in an email to worldhoppersguide at gmail.com, or in a comment on the Reddit thread, I recently made a post on r slash Cosmere uh, asking kind of what topics would people want to see, and I got some great responses. Thanks to the people who did respond, uh, and thanks for listening in general. But anyway, um, if you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the show or recommend it to your Cosmere-friendly friends. Uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to support it, uh, I really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or drop a buck or two over on Patreon if you'd like. But yeah. Um, for those of you keeping track of the Stormlight Archive reread, we're currently working on part two of The Way of Kings, and you can find the thread pinned to the top of r slash Stormlight Archive if you're listening to this in the next week, or in the next few months. You'll always find a thread pinned to the top of Stormlight Archive. As always, though, thanks to Kevin McLeod for the intro music, thanks to Brandon Sanderson for these books, and thanks to you for listening. Uh, see you next time.